Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. This morning, I want to talk to you about sinners and soul winners. Sinners and soul winners. Maybe not what you think. I actually want to talk to you about sinners becoming soul winners. Yeah, that's a different light, isn't it? Early one morning, Jesus was walking down the beach at the Sea of Galilee. And he was walking in the area where the fishermen would come in after a long night of fishing. And they were out washing their nets. And as Jesus walked on the beach, a crowd started gathering, as would be the case, wherever he went. And the crowd kept getting larger and larger and larger. And finally, Jesus decided to teach and preach. So... He walked down to the shore where the boats were, and he got on a boat. And he had them to push that boat out just a little ways. And he used that boat as a platform, as a pulpit. And he preached to the crowd that day. I would love to have been there to hear his words. And when he finished preaching... He looked over and he saw these fishermen. They had already met him and they had a little bit of an idea who he was. And they were cleaning their nets and Simon Peter was there. And Jesus said to Simon, Simon, let's go fishing. I just got to tell you, I love a Savior that says, let's go fishing. (laughs) Simon, let's go fishing. Let's put the nets back in the boat. Let's launch back out into some deeper water. And let's let down the nets. Let's go fishing. Simon Peter said to him, he addressed him very respectfully. He said, Master, we have toiled all the night long and we have caught Nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, let's go fishing. I I get the idea that Simon was saying, if anybody else had said that, it would be no. (laughs) But when Jesus says, let's go fishing, we go fishing. So they put the nets back on the boat. They, They went out into some deeper water. And they put the nets down. And the Bible tells us that immediately they caught so many 
fish that the nets started breaking. I can only imagine. So they signal for their partners, James and John, who are on the shore, for them to come out, and they brought their boat out, and both boats side by side worked the nets until they had filled both boats with fish to the point of almost sinking. You've read the story. You know what it says. And then, in my mind's eye, I can see Jesus sitting up at the bow of the boat, just smiling. (laughs) Watching these young men in a frantic frenzy taking care of all these fish. Never have we seen anything like this. This is bigger. This is the biggest catch of all times. Nobody. This breaks all the records. And Jesus is sitting there smiling. And then finally the moment hits Simon Peter. And Simon Peter turns and he approaches Jesus in the boat. I don't know how big the boat was, but I'm sure it was... was quite large. And the Bible says that Simon Peter fell down at the knees of Jesus. And he said, now, before I tell you what he said, what would you have said? I I know what I would have said. This is amazing. This is great. I've never seen anything like this. You're You're the most miraculous person I've ever been around. Maybe he would have said something like this. I think I would have said something like this. This settles it. You're my fishing partner from now on. (laughs) We're going in business together. We're going to make more money than we've ever made in our lives. No. That's not what he said. He fell down at the knees of Jesus. And these are the words he said. It's in Luke, the fifth chapter. I think it's verse 8. He said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man? You would think on one hand he would be saying, Don't ever depart from me. But he says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. When Simon Peter said that, he was saying, you need to get away from me. You need to stay away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He was so awestruck in the presence of this miracle, and in the presence of the one who had performed this miracle, he just wilted, and he was not being irreverent. It was the opposite of that. He was humble. He was broken. He was exposed. He was telling the truth in the presence of Jesus, and in the glory of that moment, Simon Peter saw himself for who he was. A sinner. Excess baggage. Unworthy to be a part of something so holy. I know I'm reading between the lines, but it really does appear to me that when Simon said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, he was saying to Jesus, I'm not fit 
to be on your ministry team. You don't need the likes of me representing you. I'm too weak. I'm too flawed. (laughs) I don't have what it takes. You're so awesome and so holy and so powerful and I'm so weak and I'm so sinful. It was a moment of truth for Simon Peter. I am a sinful man. What are you doing, Jesus, partnering with somebody like me? In today's language, Simon Peter right then and there submitted his resignation from the ministry team. (laughs) I'm sorry, Jesus, but you need to go on without me. You need to move on without me. You don't really know who I am. You don't know what's on the inside. Now later, Simon would understand that Jesus did know. But at that moment, he didn't. You don't know who you're dealing with here. Well, this brings to light a whole lot of things that we might need to talk about. One thing that we might need to talk about this morning is a mistaken notion that the closer we get to Jesus, the better we will feel about ourselves. The closer we get to Jesus, the more confidence I'll have and the more self-assurance I will have. There's a lot of that kind of preaching going on today, but friends, read your Bible. The Bible might convince us otherwise. The great patriarchs of old didn't come out with that self-assurance. You see, the fact that the closer... We get to Jesus the more evident our sins become. His holy presence exposes our unholy fallen nature. We begin to see who we really are in the light of His glory. And I got to be honest with you, sometimes it's devastating. Sometimes it's real devastating. The the great patriarch Abraham said, I am but dust and ashes before you, O God. That was right after he had had a close encounter with God. You'd expect another response, but he said, I'm just ruined. I'm wasted. I'm dirt. David, King David, who had walked with the Lord from his youth, a mighty man of God. You know what David said about himself? He said, I am a worm and not even a man. David said, when you talk about me, don't put me in the category of men. Put me in the category of worms. I'm on the level of a worm. And, and, and then the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. I'm going to read this one to you. This is amazing. Romans 7, 18 through 19. After Paul had had a revelation of Jesus from heaven, he also had some amazing revelations about himself. And he confesses some of it. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. Jesus appears to him and that's how he comes out. He met with him on the Damascus road and Simon Peter says, nothing good lives within me. I'll read the rest of it in just a moment, but i got to tell you, this is a statement I hear over and over and over again from people I'm trying to minister to. Pastor, I'm a good person. I hear that all the time. And I don't say this because it would be rude, but sometimes I want to say, if you ever got in the presence of Jesus, you might not think you're so good. You might have second thoughts about that. 
Notice he says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Come on, be honest. Can anybody in the house relate to this other than me? Oh, man. We battle with a fallen, Adamic, weak human nature, don't we? And it just keeps showing up at all the worst times and gets us in trouble. Friends, make no mistake about it. When a man has a close encounter with God, he will not emerge from that experience talking about how good he is and how bad everybody else is. No. More than likely, he will be a blubbering mess confessing his own sins and weaknesses and talking about how wonderful Jesus is. Now, here's what you need to hear. When you have a close encounter with the Lord, the closer you get to Jesus, you may not feel better about yourself, but listen to this, you will feel better about Jesus. And after all, it's about Him, isn't it? You'll feel better about His church. You'll feel better about heaven. You'll feel better about eternity. You'll feel better about mercy and grace. You'll feel better about the love of God. I'm just, I'm saying, when you get in the presence of God, it does something to us similar to what it did to Simon Peter and these other ones. You might come out of that experience saying, how is it even possible that he would love somebody like me? How is it even possible that he would want somebody like me and his family? And then listen to this. How is it even possible that he just might want to use me in his service? That's a little bit about how Simon Peter felt that day. And by the way, friends, if you have not figured this out by now, you need to hear this. God uses less than perfect people to do his work. (laughs) There should be a lot of amens in the house right now. Because that means you qualify. That means God just might use you. Simon Peter was telling the truth when he said, I'm a sinful man. He was. He was telling the truth. Simon was what we might call a holy mess. He, 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 was, he was a mess. S- Simon was always telling Jesus what he would do and what he wouldn't do. And if everybody else forsakes you, I won't forsake you. And I will never abandon you. And I will be... He made these great grandiose commitments. And guess what? He didn't keep them. And he couldn't keep them. I wonder how many commitments we've made that we didn't keep. I wonder how big the number would be in the house today if we took all the commitments I made that, didn't, that I didn't keep and all the commitments you made and you didn't keep. I wonder how big that number is. Whew. My goodness. There would be embarrassment in the house of God today, wouldn't there? We made a lot of commitments we didn't keep. And Simon made commitments and he didn't. He didn't keep them. I remember years ago, I had an amazing experience with the Lord. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life, and I was in the presence of God. And I remember whispering a prayer, Lord, 
If you will help me, I'll make a commitment to you. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It was one of the clearest words I ever got from the Lord. The Holy Spirit said, I don't want a commitment out of you. I, I really know why, because I never kept them anyway. But, <laughs> but I don't want a commitment out of you. The Holy Spirit said, I just want you. I want you to love me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to be my child. I want you to learn and grow. This commitment stuff doesn't work. How many of you have realized that? We're not good at commitments. What we're good at is admitting that we don't have what it takes and holding on to a Savior and refusing to let go regardless of what happens. That's what we're good at. Simon Peter was hot-tempered. I don't know anything about that being redheaded and all. He'd fly off the handle. He, he would speak before thinking, mouth in motion before brain in gear. Just read, just read the life of Simon. I've got to tell you, I like to read about Simon Peter because after I read about the life of Simon Peter, I'm not quite so hard on myself. Simon Peter was called of God. He was a disciple, an apostle. And Simon Peter would say things that didn't line up at all with the Word of God. And Jesus would have to correct him. And then I know you're going to find this hard to believe if you haven't read this in the Bible. But there were times when Simon Peter would take Jesus by the arm. The Bible tells us he did this. He would take him by the arm and lead him away from the rest of the group. And Simon would rebuke Jesus. I, I know you're the Messiah. I know you're the Son of God. I know you're the Savior of the world. But you're just a little off course in this one, one area. And I need to straighten you out. Have you ever heard of anything so audacious? And Jesus would rebuke him and correct him. And straighten him out. And I'm glad the biblical writers were honest enough to put all this in there. So we could relate. Simon Peter was given to violence. One time Simon Peter tried to kill a man in the presence of Jesus. I'm just trying to convince you that Simon was telling the truth. By the way, Simon had a bad mouth. He was given to cursing. Really was. He cursed. He had a filthy mouth. If you're battling with a filthy mouth today, there's please don't give up. There's hope. S Simon battled with cursing. After, listen, after he had walked with Jesus for three years, and they separated at the end just a couple of hours later, Simon is cursing and denying that he even knew Jesus. When Simon Peter said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, he was telling the truth. It was the truth. But I want you to notice how Jesus <clears throat> responded to him. This is in Luke 5.10. Jesus ignored his confession. And this is what Jesus said in Luke 5.10. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Isn't that amazing? From now on, you'll catch men. Don't be afraid. 
And I can't help but believe in the context he was saying, don't be afraid of your weaknesses. Don't be afraid of the problems and all the excuses you have. Don't be afraid of that. From now on you will catch men. You see, Simon Peter saw himself as a sinner, but Jesus saw him as a soul winner. Simon Peter saw himself as a sinner, but Jesus saw him as a man who would catch men just like he had caught fish in the past. Simon Peter saw himself as a sinner, but Jesus saw him as one who would capture the hearts of men and bring them to faith in God. Simon Peter saw himself as being unfit and unqualified to even be in the presence of Jesus, but Jesus saw what he would become, what he would grow into, and the great miracles and the great works that he would do for the glory of God. Now, with that in mind, I need to tell you something. God doesn't see you like you see you. (laughs) Thank the Lord. Yeah. God doesn't see you like you see you. God doesn't see you like other people see you. God sees something else. Almost 30 years ago now... I had a crazy idea, and there's still a few people around in this church who remember this and were witnesses to it. But I had this, I had this crazy idea. I don't know how I came up with it, except that the Lord put it in my heart, that I wanted to start a Bible study class, and I wanted that Bible study class to be away from the church, and I was going to teach it on early Sunday morning, so I would teach it, and then I would have like an hour to get ready to preach on uh, at the church. And, and I decided that the only people who could come to my class were people who did not attend church anywhere. If you ever walked through the doors of a church, you were disqualified. You couldn't come to my class. I'd have people say, Pastor, I want to come to your class. I'd say, where do you go to church? Well, I go to your church or I go to them. No, you can't come. We don't want people to go to church. We want a Bible study class where nobody goes to church. And so we sent out, Diane remembers, we sent out over 50 invitations to men in the community. Our first meeting, we had 20-something men who showed up at the class. And, and word got around town what we were doing, and somebody was trying to insult us and make light of what we were doing. And this is what they said. They said, Pastor has a heathen class. I, no, I'm not, I'm not making any of this up. He has a heathen class. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to kill my class. This is going to be insulting. I can't explain what happened. But the men in my class, when they heard that, they took that name and wore it like a badge of honor. They would tell people, I'm in the heathen class. (laughs) I would hear them say, I'm not good enough to go to big church, but I can go to the heathen class. (laughs) And they would come to the heathen class. And so we started calling ourselves heathens. And they would even go out. Listen, this is how they witnessed. They would go out and evangelize people in a way. They'd go out and they'd say, do you think you're a heathen? That's the way they'd talk to their buddies. Do you really think you're a heathen? Yeah, I know I'm a heathen. Yeah, well, you qualify. You can come to our class. (laughs) I'm serious. I had one woman go home and tell her husband, I finally found the class you can attend. (laughs) 
He said, well, what class is it? She said, a heathen class. That's the class for you. Believe it or not, the next Sunday he showed up at my class. So I, for about a year, I teach this heathen class. It was exciting. Those guys were... were listen. <laughs> they brought their spit cups in with them. I need to start another one? Did you, did you say that? All right. <laughs> they brought their spit cups in. They chewed their tobacco. And, and the language was not always pleasant in that class. And, and, and I would say something and it, it, was, it, it was amazing. It was eventful. Let me tell you that. After about a year, I decided, okay, uh, I'm going to be out of town. I was going on vacation, and I had to get somebody to teach my class. And so, so I, I started praying about who would teach my class. And to be honest with you, most of the self-righteous stuff shirt teachers I knew, <laughs> they wouldn't have lasted five minutes in that class. Those heathens would have, I mean, they... <laughs> They would have devastated. I had to get somebody who was qualified to teach the class. And I prayed hard and I just couldn't feel good about anybody. And I was on my knees one day and the Lord put a man's face right in front of me. And lo and behold, he was a member of my class. He had only been in the class for uh, a little while. Now, by this time, and by the way, you could go from the heathen class to the church. If, and they, one by one, they got saved and committed to the Lord. And, and I'd tell them, when you get saved and baptized, you can go to big church. Uh, and this guy, this guy had done that. And, uh, but they never gave up the name heathen. They loved that. And so, but I could see him, and I was thinking, I can't get somebody out of the class to teach this class. The Lord put him on my heart. His name was Herman Todd. Herman Todd. And the Lord said, you ask him to teach that class. I didn't know if he'd ever taught anything in his life. And so I started to call him. It was one of the strangest directions I ever got from the Lord. Well, the Lord said, no, you can't call him. The Lord spoke to my heart and said, you cannot call him. You have to wait until you meet him face to face and you have to ask him to teach the class. So I said, okay. I thought that was strange. I wasn't even sure it was the Lord, but it... it, was a feeling that was strong enough, I decided to walk it out. About three days later, I stepped through the door at the local express lane, and there Herman Todd was, standing at the counter. He had just paid his bill, and he had a six-pack of beer under his arm. <laughs> he turns and looks at me. I look at him. I said, Herman, I need to talk to you outside. So help me, he said, I know. I know. We stepped outside and I said, Herman, I got to talk to you. He said, he, he looks down at that six pack of me. He's a preacher. I know, I know. He said, you don't have to say it. I said, I do have to say it, Herman. I said, I'm going to be out of town in a couple weeks. I need you to teach my class. <laughs> he looks at me. Look. <laughs> he looks at that six pack of beer. He says, Really? I said, really, Herman? God said you were the one to teach that class. And friends, can I tell you that when I got back, he went into that class It did one of the most beautiful jobs. And he went on to be a teacher. He went on to, get, to become active in the community. 
He, he got involved in ministry. He became a spiritual leader in our church, a respected man of God. And he told me, listen to this, he told me about a year later, he said, Pastor, I want to tell you about our encounter in front of the express lane. He said, from that day to this day, I have never bought another beer. And I said, why? He said, well, I expected you to say something, but you didn't say something. But God said something to me and started changing my life. And he said, I've never bought another beer since then. And he said, the reason is because I don't need it anymore. I don't need that anymore. What a, what, what a man. You see, I saw him as a struggling heathen. God saw him as a teacher. I, I saw him as a man struggling with alcohol. And he was. He said he had been struggling with it for years. But God saw him as a faithful servant that would make a difference in the community. What I'm trying to get across to you today is this, friends. When God looks at you, He doesn't just see you for what you are right at this moment. He sees what you can become if you'll trust Him and walk with Him and serve Him. That's what He sees. When God looks at you, He doesn't just see you as you are right now. He sees an ordained destiny. He looks at your life and He sees a master plan. No matter how messed up your life may be right now, when God looks at you, He sees a master plan. I'm not making this up. It's right out of the Bible. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. Read it with me which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Do you know what before ordained means? It means God ordained it before. Simple enough, before ordained means God ordained it before. Before what? Before you were born. God had a plan for your life. You say, Pastor, my life is so messed up. You don't really know me. I've made a lot of commitments I didn't keep. I've got a host of problems I've never been able to solve. Yeah? Okay. I get it. I've been there. Simon Peter was there. I'm just trying to say to you today, friends, don't wait until you're worthy to serve God. If you think about it for a moment, it makes no sense. Shouldn't we serve God because He's worthy, not because we're worthy? Doesn't that make sense? No matter who you are or where you are, hear the voice of the Lord as Simon Peter did and start walking with Him. Start serving Him. Spiritual growth comes while we're walking with the Lord and serving Him, not before doesn't come before. You just start right where you are. Hang-ups, problems, whatever's going on, just start serving the Lord. It it took more than three years for Simon Peter. Now, he did grow into a mighty, powerful man of God. I like the way the story ends. Here's how it ends. 
Now, you picture anything you want to, but I still see Jesus smiling real big up on the bow of that boat. And those guys just in a frenzy. And they bring the boats to shore, the Bible says. And the Bible says that Jesus got off the boat and Peter, James, and John forsook all and followed him. Biggest catch of their life left behind. Now, me being a fisherman, I, somebody had to do something with those fish. I mean, that's just not right. Can you imagine some of those people who heard Jesus teach that day? Hey, guys, where are y'all going? What about the fish? You can have them. Half of Galilee had fish for supper that night. I'm going to tell you, friends, I, 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 I sometimes dream, what if, what if we did that? What if right here at River of Life we realize that sinners can be soul winners? People who are less than perfect, people who have hang-ups and weaknesses and flaws can be soul winners, hopefully prayerfully, that while we're serving God, the, the strongholds fall and maturity takes place and we grow in grace. But what if we had total church involvement? This is a great crowd this morning. But what if we had total church involvement? What if every person here heard the call? What if on this first Sunday in January 2019, we all said, I'll be a Simon Peter. I'll throw away all the excuses. And today with all my heart, as unqualified, <laughs> as unfit, as confused and messed up as my life may be, today... I follow him. You know what would happen in this church? You know what would happen in your life? Our nets would start breaking. Have you ever wondered why? That just doesn't make sense to me. I can't put this together. Jesus, the miraculous Son of God, takes him out on the boat, takes him fishing. I don't know what he does. He wills it. He thinks it. Maybe he says it. Maybe he whispers it. Maybe he snapped his fingers. I don't know what he did. But somehow, fish from everywhere came. A miracle was performed. More fish than they'd ever caught. Couldn't Jesus have done something about their nets? Did he just forget that part? You, you think Jesus is sitting up in heaven saying, Man, I don't know what I was thinking. I brought the fish, but I didn't fix the nets. There has to be some meaning. You know what the meaning is? When God gets involved in our enterprises. When God gets involved in your business. When God gets involved in your church. His blessings will be so overwhelming. Serious. That we won't have the resources or the manpower to handle it. God does it. God does it. Friends, honestly, I, I mean, I'm sorry, but I just can't help. I'm a, I'm a dreamer. I, I vision, uh, envision things. I, somebody, some church, somewhere, we need to take the challenge and we need to take this county by storm. Amen. We need to become soul winners. Not because we're worthy, not because we're good enough, but because we serve a Savior who's good enough and a Savior who's worthy. And we need to start capturing the hearts of men and reaching out to them. I'm telling you, if, if we just caught a little bit of this next Sunday, we'd have to give up our seats. 
We, we are one trumpet blast away from eternity. One of these days, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. The dead in Christ will rise. Those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together. There's coming a day when it's all going to be over. We have a day of grace right now. I'm just challenging you. You're going to hear some things in the days to come about each one reach one. I'm going to ask you, not if you're a member, but if you just attend this church, to reach out and bring somebody in, to help somebody, to minister to somebody. Isn't it time for us in all of our weaknesses to start doing the work of God? And trust Him to cleanse us and to purify us and to help us grow as we go. But to start serving Him right now. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.